Welcome to show number 2352 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. What you're hearing is the theme music for the Disability and Progress podcast hosted by Sam Jasmine. Capping off our 13th year of producing and hosting Eyes on Success, we'll be playing excerpts from an interview she did of us for her podcast. You'll learn about how Eyes on Success got started, the mission of the show, how it has evolved over the years, how guests are selected, and what the show has come to mean to us. So now it's normally time for our tip of the week. However, this week, instead, we'll be introducing the show for which this interview was originally conducted. Hello and greetings, and this is Disability and Progress. We bring you insights into ideas about and discussions on disability topics. My name is Sam. I'm the host of this show, and Charlene Dahl is my research woman. Hello, Charlene. Hello, everybody. This is also KFEI 90.3 FM Minneapolis and KFEI.org. It is Pledge Nights. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. As usual, we will start by meeting our guests. And tonight we have some great guests with us. We have Peter and Nancy Torpy, and they are with us, and they're going to be talking about their podcast called Eyes on Success. Well, this is Pete here, and if your listeners don't know, I've been blind since birth. And this is Nancy, and I'm fully sighted, but I like to think I've been living with blindness for 40 years. It's just his, not mine. Yes, I was just going to ask you how you kind of came to the disability community. I wonder if you guys wouldn't mind sharing the story about how you met. Well, I was working at Xerox, my job out of graduate school as a research scientist. And after I was working there for a few years, Nancy got hired at Xerox also as a research scientist. And turned out in graduate school, each of us had picked up American contra dancing. It's sort of like square dancing, but done in lines. And so when we moved to Rochester, New York, where Xerox was, we had both joined the local dance crowd. And we more or less met that way. Wow. We exactly met that way. But it turned out we independently joined the same carpool, so we would have met that way. And our bosses reported to the same person, so we would have met at work, too. Wow. So it was fate. It sort of was fate. We met in August when Nancy came to Xerox, and we were married by the next July. And here we are nearly 40 years later, still together. Well, congratulations. That is not always an easy feat. We would not recommend that for our kids. Oh, Oh my. You would have met one way or another. So it looks like you could run from each other, but you couldn't hide. So excellent. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. 
This week's focus topic is the Eyes on Success podcast and radio show, the mission of the show, how it's evolved over the past 13 years, and what it's come to mean to us. I want to talk about your podcast, Eyes on Success. You started out, though, it was not Eyes on Success. It was, I believe, Viewpoints. It was Viewpoints. So can you please tell me like how that idea got started and why did you decide to change the name? Well, those are two separate stories. But we were volunteering at the local public radio station, and I said, geez, I can read. I'd like to volunteer for the local radio reading service, which was a sideband of the public radio station. And so I had been doing that for a while, and then the woman who ran both the radio reading service and the FM side of the public radio affiliate said, hey, you know, between you and Pete, you talk well, you know a lot of access technology, I think you should do a show. And it took her a few months to talk us into it, but um, (laughs) the first week of January 2001, we aired our first show. And at the time, it was Viewpoints. But just to rewind a little bit, since it is your fun drive, how we first got connected with the radio station was through the fun drive. We had volunteered to answer the phones during the fun drive. And of course, Nancy could do it just answering the phones and interacting with a computer and entering the people's names and pledge numbers, et cetera. But I needed some assistive devices like a talking computer. So we took her laptop down there with JAWS running on it. And everybody was amazed how this blind person was interacting with a computer and doing the whole fun drive stuff. (laughs) And in particular, the manager of the FM station was also the manager of the radio reading service. And it turned out that she had a blind employee who was running the boards for the radio reading service. And the station wanted to upgrade the whole complex to some new software. And his screen reader wasn't compatible with the software. Oh, I've heard that story before. Right. So she talked to me and she said, you know, she knew I was a physicist and knew a lot about technology. And I said, well, maybe I can help him. So I actually wrote him some JAWS scripts that enabled him to work with the new software. And the day I delivered the scripts, the next day, they upgraded the whole station to the new software. And that was AM, FM, radio reading service, and television. And they were all holding back because of the one blind sound engineer. Wow. Cool story. Um, When you did the show Viewpoints, what was that one about? And how long did that last? Oh, it's the same show. But what happened was about a year and a half in, we found out that there was some other weekly half-hour radio show that was opinions about news. It was nothing to do with blindness. And they had trademarked the name. Uh-oh. And so we contacted them <laughs> and we said, you know, our show has nothing to do with your show. Would you grant us permission to continue using this name? And they said no. Ugh. So we needed a new name and that's all it changed was the name. Now it's eyesonsuccess.net. That's pretty cool. I like it. And we thought that was sort of emblematic of our mission of the show. I mean, really the mission of the show is to show visually impaired people around the world Mm -hmm. that you can do anything you want, even if you have a vision impairment. And so every episode discusses either some 
visually impaired person's success, whether it's their career, their education, a hobby, sports, anything, or a way that a visually impaired person can succeed. And so we talk about the latest features of the latest updates of whatever access technology is out there Mm -hmm. and services provided by organizations to help make life easier for people with vision loss. How did you decide on the length of the show? Oh, radio reading services are radio programs and they work in increments of half an hour. So it's a half an hour. It's actually a little bit less than a half an hour so they can give their station identification, they can give the weather, the time, whatever else they have to say in that little sliver between programs. But interestingly, I think the time constraint has actually made the program be the quality that it is. You know, I listen to so many podcasts online and people will ramble on forever because they have kind of an infinite time limit. There's no end. And they can make mistakes and back up. And you just feel like you're not getting a lot of information per time. Yeah. And so the fact that we have to edit everything down to half an hour, it really has to be pretty tight and very information dense. That's true. And I have found now we used to be a half hour and then we went to an hour. And I have a combination of feelings, you know, sometimes oh my gosh, I feel like an hour is not enough. And then other times it's kind of like, okay, that took 40 minutes. Now what? (laughs) So now, you know, if it runs short, we use fillers. It's interesting, you know, your name for the show, I'm going to go back to that, Eyes on Success, because there's so many, to me, meanings to that. What does it mean to you personally? Well, as I mentioned, to me, part of the mission of the show is to demonstrate to people with stories of other successful blind professionals, blind athletes, et cetera, that you can do virtually everything. I mean, you'll probably the only thing a blind person can't do these days is drive a car. Well, we have talked to people who've driven cars. Well, true. But how about legally? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, off road, on a racetrack. And we talked to people who set land speed records blind on a motorcycle at the Bonneville Salt Flats. People can do anything. We've talked to woodworkers. We've talked to shop teachers. This is a guy who uses power tools and in a room full of teenagers and teaches them how to do it. And, you know, many people would think that, you know, how can you be a physicist and program computers and work with mathematics and stuff? But you know, I did it. So we talked to blind scientists and, you know, we advocate a lot for the fact that blind people can get into these fields that people might discourage them from being in when they're young. And one of the really gratifying parts of this show is having spoken with experts in various fields all around the world. Every once in a while, we'll get a query from a listener You know, I'm thinking of going to medical school. Is that possible? And we'll find some blind person who did it and is a practicing psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with being a pharmacist. We put them in touch. We did a whole episode because, you know, presumably the person who wrote us the question isn't the only one on the planet who's interested. But we put the two of them in touch with each other, and that's so gratifying. 
And that's partially what makes the show so rewarding for us, because even though we're retired, it is a lot of work, as you know. It is. Set up the interviews, do the interviews, edit it, put the website up and distribute it. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding meeting people around the world with these stories of success and how they did something and being able to share it with other people and make those connections. I am not retired, and I can tell you, you're right. It is a lot of work. <laughs> how do you go about choosing your topics and your guests? At the beginning, we had to come up with all the ideas ourselves, and we would sit down and brainstorm and, you know, what's new in access technology, what new services are there maybe for making reading accessible. And then we would contact somebody who was more knowledgeable than us. And at the beginning, nobody knew who we were from Adam. We would get blown off pretty frequently. These days, we contact somebody. It's like, you know, we'd like to interview you about such and such. Oh, I'd be honored, which is great. And then sometimes people contact us. They say, hey, I have a great idea for your show. And assuming it's a good idea, that's just one less idea that we have to come up with. That's right. What has been the most difficult part for you doing a podcast like this? <laughs> you know, we keep hyping how important lifelong learning is. But let me tell you, we had to learn a whole lot. We had careers at Xerox Corporation in corporate research developing next generation printers. And so we both, including the blind guy, learned a lot about image processing, image manipulation, color science. We knew nothing about audio production, recording, We've had to learn a lot. Web hosting. We knew a little bit of HTML to write the website, but we both had to learn more. You know, somebody said, hey, you ought to include a picture with every show. I'm like, okay, then I had to learn how to do that. There's always something new to learn, which keeps it interesting, but I think that's the hardest part. Yes, yes. And I wonder about you guys. What is it that really makes you keep coming back to doing something like this week after week? Well, you know, all of these shows that we get compliments on from listeners saying, hey, that was really interesting. We got to have the conversation and we've gotten to talk to, you know, not only people doing a, a wide assortment of things, but we've gotten to talk to some of these people who are household names in the field. and. That's just really pretty cool. You know, we've talked to people from all over the place. What's it like being a blind teacher of blind students learning English in Iran? Like, you don't get to have those conversations in a normal life. Right. It's cool. Yes. What has been the most challenging topic that you feel like you have done? I would say it was the guy we talked to about the intersection of blindness and race. He grew up as an African-American in Atlanta, Georgia, and lost his vision at some point along the way. I think he was in his 20s. Mm -hmm. And talking about his social navigation skills that he developed being in a minority that, frankly, wasn't treated all that well, helped him 
be a member of another minority that also had problems getting around. Mm. It was really interesting, and it, and it was a challenging, delicate conversation. The other interesting ones are, I think, sometimes talking to professors. You know, their job is to profess. And we like to keep our show conversational and interactive, so it makes it more interesting for the listeners. And sometimes you can ask these people a question, and all of a sudden you get the 40-minute lecture from their class. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yep. Yes, we've all yep. been there. <laughs> and I think professors are worse at that because, as I said, that's their job, to profess. Right. Right. It is funny because sometimes you don't know what you're going to get, not who. Obviously, you know who you're going to get, but you don't always know what you're going to get. Sometimes you can get somebody who just keeps going and you have to get, take a breath, take a breath. <laughs> and then other times yeah. it's just pulling, you know, the information out of them. And I'm like, Ooh, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> yeah. We've been at both of those extremes, and there have been times, because we edit, mm -hmm. we've been known to cut somebody's comment in half and put another question in the middle, because, you know, people just don't have attention spans that are all that long. It's easier to grab pieces of information that are smaller and more manageable. Right. We don't change the content, but we will break it up into digestible chunks for our listeners. Mm. I'm not sure about what you guys think now about all of the podcasts that are out there, but it kind of feels to me like everyone is kind of jumping on the whole podcast bandwagon, and it feels like there's a lot of podcasts on disability stuff. And I'm wondering what you feel makes your podcast unique. I think part of it is the fact that we do edit it down to half an hour, and it really is information dense compared to many particularly accessibility podcasts that I've listened to. Sometimes having a constraint is a good thing, right? It forces mm -hmm. you to make decisions. In fact, we've gotten comments from some listeners. They say, I mean, I'm sure you do this. You're blind. You listen to everything sped up. And we don't mind if people listen to us sped up. But we've gotten comments from many blind people who say, I listen to Everything sped up except your show. <laughs> and I think the reason is because we take out the redundancy. We don't change the meaning, but we take out the redundancy. We take out the gaps. We take out the garbage, and there's always garbage. And so the, the information is much denser, like Pete said. And so you can't absorb it sped up as much as normal. Right. I know that we talked about all the learning that went into doing something like this with knowing how to put up a podcast, how to edit it and everything like that. Has it surprised you? Is there anything that you've kind of learned personally that it has brought to you that you didn't expect? I think I've developed more of an empathy for people with different abilities. When I met Pete, he could see a little teeny bit. He was using magnification that was three or four inches tall. Mm -hmm. But basically, he was blind, and he was just so competent. I'm like, well, okay, so he can't see. Let's get on with life. But, you know, we've talked to all of these other people who've been through all sorts of other challenges. 
Pete had a great job, but we've talked to people who graduated near the top of their law school class who couldn't get a job and had to work in the disability field. Not like there's anything wrong with that. Right. But when you send out 50 job applications and no one gives you a job and you know you're qualified, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a topic for a whole nother show. <laughs> that, oh, we've done shows on that. It really is a problem. I had a very easy time sailing through. I mean, I graduated from graduate school. I was used to being blind, so it wasn't a big thing for me. It was like, so I'm blind, big deal. I just found ways of doing stuff. I was plugged into all these systems. You go blind later in life, that's a lot harder to deal with. But we talked to people that you know, didn't sail through and they ran into these issues and people saying, you can't do that. You can't do this. They didn't have the training opportunities that I had. Right. And, you know, it's it's really given me a big appreciation for that and how fortunate I was along the way. I mean, I never had people telling me you can't do this or can't do that. Oh, that's not quite true. Well, it's <laughs> semi-true. He just ignored them. Ah. Or... American adults have been socialized not to even admit that they notice that the other guy has some issue. And so when Xerox changed from using DOS to using Windows, which is a graphical user interface, uh, yes. his coworkers, they didn't say a peep to him. And some of these people were good personal friends. They cornered me in the hall. They're like, now what's he going to do? He's, you know, sunk. And that was everybody's attitude and my attitude, because I'd seen him up close and personal. I'm like, I have no idea what he's going to do. But trust me, he's going to find a way to work this out and he'll be just fine. And within a month or two, they were all asking him, how do I do this? How do I do that? How does that work in Windows? Well, that's an example of how, you know, you think you're blind and you're always behind the eight ball. And often you are, but you have to figure out ways of getting out from behind the eight ball. and sometimes. Being blind has worked to my advantage. For example, the reason I knew Windows so well is because it was a pain to learn with the early screen readers. It was a very different paradigm. Those screen readers didn't work so well. I had to know it inside out. So then when other people started using it, they had no idea about what could be done with a keyboard, what Windows was all about. Well, I had been through that already. Right. And a similar thing with my job. Later in life, I actually became the manager of the person in research who was responsible for the image processing algorithms and color algorithms and print quality specifications of some of our novel printers. And you would think, how could a blind person do that? But, you know, it made everybody in my group be very objective and very verbal about what they saw in prints when we were grading prints and saying, what do you like about this? What do you not like? Everybody sees something different in a print. And just to have people verbalize that, I think, made the group stronger. And one more instance, and this has happened many times, but this particular one sticks in mind when somebody said, you can't do that, you're blind. Somebody shipped us a gift for the family for some event. And it was ants in the pants, which is sort of like tiddlywinks. And you flip up these little plastic ants and they land in a little plastic container. And our son, who had been living with a blind father his entire life and knew that daddy could do pretty much anything, he said, oh, daddy, you'll never be able to play that. And guess who won the first game? <laughs> Excellent. But, you know, I think through life, you know, fortunately, I was pretty intelligent. I was a pretty hard worker. 
And I was also pretty proactive. As a blind person in particular, I think you have to be an advocate for yourself. Don't take no for an answer. And you've got to offer people solutions. If you just say, oh, I have this problem. I don't know how to deal with it. No one else is as familiar with blindness as, you know, the blind person is. So it's really up to the person themselves to come up with solutions. And that's what I would do when I worked at Xerox. You know, if I had a problem with something, you know, no one was going to say, geez, maybe you can do this. Because what do they know about blindness? They see one blind person in the organization. Right. But if I offered a solution, Xerox was always, okay, you know, let's implement that or let's buy the equipment you need. And, you know, you really have to stick up for yourself and be proactive. But I think the whole proactive thing, it goes across the board, right? For all disabilities. Absolutely. You really need to do that. What would you like to see for the future of Eyes on Success? Oh, we just want to keep going and going and going and exploring new topics and meeting new people and helping to put more people in touch with either information they need or people who can provide it. It's been a blast. I was just wondering if there's a topic that you've always wanted to do, but just haven't gotten to it. Generally, if we're interested in something, we go and search out someone or some organization that can talk about it and contact them and say, here's why we want to talk to you and share what you have to say. And I would like to thank all of the people we've had on the show as guests. In over 600 episodes, we've probably had 500 guests because some people come back and whatever. They have all been so generous with their time. And their knowledge. And, you know, if somebody has a question for them on the side, they always make themselves available. And we're very grateful to our guests. And that is what it's all about, isn't it? People donating their time. Yes, it's a worldwide community. We're all kind of interconnected that way. Well, I would like to thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate your time and good luck with the ongoing of the podcast. And I wish you many more years of it. Well, thank thank you. you. You too. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Disability and Progress show and how to contact Sam Jasmine. Well, Sam, if people want to contact you, how would they go about that? If you want to be a part of our listener program of our listener club, please feel free to email me at disabilityandprogress at samjasmine.com. We'll say your name on the air when we get it for next week. And we'd love to hear from you. We like to hear how far away our listeners are. So you can email us at disabilityandprogress at samjasmine.com. You can also email me and get on our email list and find out what we have coming up. We do like to, to tell people. And of course, if people want to contact us, they can send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. We're always eager to hear your comments, questions, and suggestions for future shows. As usual, all that contact information will be in the show notes with this episode, which is episode 2352 at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for today's show, as well as for the year 2023. 
Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be starting out in year 2024 with a pair of interviews that Glenn Gordon from FSCast did first with Pete in the first episode and then with me, Nancy, in the second episode. And in these interviews, you'll get to meet us, not just talking about the show, but talking about everything else in our lives. So Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for joining us the past 13 years, and we hope to see you in the new year. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.